Great singing, church. Uh, what a blessing to have something to sing about uh, in days like this. Um, we'll be talking this week about having three services. Um, that's an announcement to the staff. I just thought of it in the first right Yeah. Zach, the first one's going to be at 6.30 in the morning. Uh, worship team, you'll be here at 5. Uh, no. We will talk about stuff. But anyways, um, uh, great to be with you. I want to talk to you just an uh, important, uh, important prayer request we have. Many of you know about this already. This last week, this last Thursday morning, uh, little Lucy Joy, uh, Lucy Joy Fourthman was born. And uh, she was born with many complications in her birth. And uh, so they are down at UCLA. I uh, talked to Jen and Tim yesterday, yesterday morning. Um, you know, she's got a lot of uh, um, a lot of things to deal with, that little girl. And so we need to be praying for her. Uh, she was taken down to UCLA to do a, a cooling treatment. I don't quite understand all of it. Uh, but that was meant to uh, help her and give her... Uh, opportunity uh, for her brain to kind of settle down, and um, I think today, as I understood it, uh, she's going to have a brain scan, and so I I just want to encourage us as a church to pray, uh, in reality, miraculously, that she would not have uh, any brain um, damage, and uh, we just want to pray for that little one, uh, that God would give her body strength and the doctor's wisdom pray for Jen and Tim and Maddie um, as they uh, seek to uh, walk with the Lord through this and see his goodness and uh, love that little one. Um, I believe it was sometime today that she was going to have her breathing tube removed as well and just that idea that she would, uh, her body would be strong enough. Um, we live in a fallen world. We live in a fallen world and we like to think that everything's perfect, but it's not. It's not perfect, not even close. And so uh, we deal with uh, difficulties like this, uh, believers as well, uh, believers as well. And so I want to encourage you um, as a church family to to pray for this family, pray for this little one. Uh, for those of you who know the fourth men's well, I'd encourage you to lean in, uh, to lean in, to text and to uh, encourage and be... And for the rest of us who maybe don't know them as well, um, we pray. We pray and we stand at the ready uh, to jump when we need to as we can uh, serve this family. Please join me now as we pray uh, for the fourth men's. God, um, we think uh, some of us have seen pictures of little Lucy Joy and uh, we're just thrilled at her little life and rejoice at the birth and we realize the precious treasure that babies are. God, help us as God's people um, to trust you in these days. And I pray uh, for Lucy Joy that you would uh, do a work in her brain, that it would uh, not be damaged and that she would be able to live a happy, um, normal life. Uh, That would be your will, Lord. We ask that you would grant the doctors uh, wisdom to know what to do and what not to do. Um, I pray that uh, her body would strengthen and that she would be able to... um, continue on and uh, God I ask that you give your greatest strength and wisdom and patience and peace to Tim and Jen as they look at their little one and they hold hold her even today they enjoy and praise you for her life 
And God, help them to trust you and walk in wisdom and not despair. God, I pray for Maddie too in her young little life that you would help her to uh, trust you as a God who loves her and uh, loves her little baby sister. Um, God, we pray for healing and mercy, strength, grace, and life uh, in your will. Uh, God, thank you for the gospel that gives us hope for the future, but hope for every day as well. God, we thank you for your love for us in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Um, Turn your Bibles to Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6. By the way, um, for those of you who are uh, fairly new here, um, we have stuff like that go on all the time. And when I, when I say all the time, not, not babies that are sick, but we got stuff going on. Uh, if you've rolled in here today and you, uh, you say, oh, I got stuff going on in me. You're in good company. You're in good company. Uh, you know, we sang earlier, Lord, I need you. That was for all of us. That was for all of us. Those who have trusted in Christ and those who have yet to trust in Christ. Whether you know it or not, you need the Lord today. And so uh, that's what we're doing here. If you were wondering what we were doing here, wondered what you were doing here, um, that's why the Lord has brought you today. Romans chapter 6. Uh, I think a lot of us look at life and we think of it like an everyday election. Everyday election. Don't you love like political season? Isn't that so much fun? Because we're kind of the bell of the ball during uh, election season. Everyone's crying out for our attention and they're, they're saying, I'm better, you should choose me, you should choose me. Um, and, and you're kind of sitting back in your you know, lazy boy chair, you know, the big fluffy leather ones, brown. Um, and you're sitting there kind of laying back, maybe your legs are kicked up and you say, ah, oh, impress me impress me, and then as the God of my vote, I will deem you worthy, worthy of my mail-in ballot. You're worthy. Sorry I said that. That, that, was, that was ornery on my part. Uh, sometimes we think uh, we are this one that is free to choose, free to decide what's going to happen with this day, what's going to happen for the future. Um, if you've read the book of uh, Romans thus far, uh, maybe you've understood something. Maybe you've never understood this before. That you are born in sin. Born in sin. That you were enslaved in sin. It wasn't just a game. So, so when, I say, when I say you sit back as if it were election, you say, oh, I shall choose today. Uh, whether I will choose sin, if that's better, or God, impress me with your new way that's different than the one that I've gone. Impress me. And you sit back as if you're going to decide on your own and that you are uh, a free agent, if you will. You're kind of like the star of the, the baseball team or the football team, and you're a free agent. And all the teams are saying, choose me, choose me. And yet, uh, as we're going to look at this passage, uh, you're going to see something very ugly about yourself apart from Christ. And you're going to see something very desperate, desperate, even as a believer, of the choice that you can make. 
And so I want to encourage you as you see this this morning, that this is an important passage for us. Uh, we think we are free to choose. We think we are a free agent. We sit back wanting someone to impress us. Look at this passage and hear what God has to say to you and to me this morning. If you'd stand in honor of God's word, I'd like to read to you, starting in verse 15, 15 and then uh, down through verse 19. God's word says this. What then? Are we to sin Because we are not under law, but under grace? By no means. Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one whom you obey, either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness? But thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart uh, to the standard of teaching uh, to which you were committed. And having been uh, set free from sin, having become slaves of righteousness. I'm speaking in human terms because of your natural limitations. For just as, uh, for just as you once presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness. So now you present your members as slaves to righteousness, leading to sanctification. Praise God. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for this great passage. Teach us much. Encourage our hearts. Help us to see sin as you want us to see sin and what we are to do with this life that you've now entrusted to us. God, we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. So we uh, continue in this great passage in the book of Romans, and uh, I don't know if you caught this, but uh, those of you who have been here for at least a couple of months, he asks another question, and this question in verse 15 is a lot like verse 1. What shall we say then? Uh, what then? Like, how does this come about? What, and, and what Paul is doing, if you look back to chapter 5, you, you actually see where he says we're not uh, under the law, but we're under grace. And there's this beautiful God's gracious to us. And, and he's saying, so if you're no longer uh, under the law, which shows that you're a sinner and, and just sinful, sinful, sinful and trying to keep up, but you're not keeping up. And, and he says, it's different. It's different. And the question for the one who has trusted in Christ is this. So what now is my relationship to sin? How should I think about sin? The first wrong question was in verse 1. It says, are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? This idea, because of grace, should we continue in sin so that God can show his magnificent grace over and over again? And Paul slams his fist hand on the table and says, by no means, no way. And now he asks a similar question in in a similar way. In verse 15, he says, what then? Are we to sin because we uh, we are not under law, but under grace? Meaning that because of grace, does sin not matter anymore? 
does it not matter if I sin? If he's taken care of every one of my sins, past, present, and future, if he has saved me from that, if we are under grace, I guess it doesn't matter anymore if I sin. And in the same way, he slams his hand down again and says, by no means, this is not the way to live. And he's going to describe, he's going to give us really the path of sin and the path of gracious, path of gracious service or slavery to God or to righteousness. He's going to give us these two paths that we might see, that we might see the way to go from here. Um, I, I think it's important that we remember, and, and I want to be careful the way I uh, share this with you. Um, a couple of things here this morning. If you've trusted in Christ, that's the, the, that's the, the big contingent thing right here. If you have not trusted in Christ, what you're going to see in this passage, what you have seen previous is that you are in sin. You're in sin. And when I say you're in sin, and what the scripture will describe for us this morning is that you are enslaved to sin. Enslaved. You're stuck in sin. Sin is your master. And you can't get away from him. You might sleep at night, but you wake up enslaved. You might have a moment of freedom in your mind, like I feel like I'm free but you go right back to it. You go right back to it. Why? Because you're enslaved. You're stuck there, okay? You, you can imagine that desperation that a slave would have had even in our country, but in the book of Romans, in the ancient world, the Bible times, some have suggested maybe even 60, 70% of all, all people were slaves, and so it was a common, it was a, it was a common idea. They, they knew about slaves and, and those slaves, you can imagine them dreaming of being free, plotting to be free, but also knowing the reality that they were enslaved. And I want to tell you, if you don't know Christ, if you're not in Christ, you're in sin today, you're enslaved. By the way, um, even those who have trusted in Christ know what you, you're, you're in, right? Because they once were enslaved as well. So, so what you have here is this, uh, this morning, but, but for those of you who have trusted in Christ, there, there comes this faulty teaching that isn't in Scripture, is that if you're in Christ, that you no longer have any sin, that you no longer struggle with sin. I want to tell you, but that's not true. There's one day coming where that will be true. But it is not today. Today we will struggle with sin. And, and, and that's where those two paths come in that we're going to look at. And this, this passage this morning is talking about, so you have uh, been set free. How do you live as one that is free? What path will you choose? How will you live your life that God has now saved you in? And this is what we're looking at this morning. Uh, I, I want to just say that, that that first question that he asks in verse 15, he's, he's answering the question or getting to the bottom of, does sin matter as a Christian? If you're saved, does sin matter? And he says, absolutely it matters. 
Absolutely. And he's going to explain why in this passage. Uh, One writer said it like this, summarizing this passage. He said, freedom from the law does not mean freedom from God, but freedom for God. Freedom for God. Let me read that again. Freedom from the law does not mean freedom from God, but freedom for God. Many people believe that uh, once you have been set free from your sin, you're free to go, free to do whatever you want. And that freedom is meant for one thing, uh, freedom for God. Okay, and so we're going to get to that this morning. Looking at verse 16, as we dig into this passage, we're first looking at this idea of choosing your master. Uh, Verse 16, it says this, Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one you obey? Okay, very simple. Uh, In the previous passage, it had this idea of presenting yourself, the, the idea of worshiping. Now, he says this in terms of presenting yourself to your master. It's like rolling into the room of the master and saying, what would you have me do? I am here to serve you. There's two options in this, and, and, and I want you to get this picture in your mind that this slavery picture was an obvious one to them. He's even going to say something similar to that uh, in a few verses from now, but this idea that they all would have known about slavery, and he says, the one you present yourself to is the one that you are a slave of. That is your master, and, and he presents two uh, um, possibilities as a believer that you can present yourselves to either of sin which leads to death or of obedience which leads to righteousness sin or obedience obedience meaning obedience to god okay doing what he wants you to do uh, it's really obedience to sin or obedience to God. This is the picture here. Is you are now choosing your master. With this new freedom that you have received, you're either, and, and, and think of it this way. He says obedience, or obedience. It could be paralleled by saying disobedient to God or obedient to God. Those are the two options. What were you before you came to know Christ, enslaved, disobedient to God, doing your own thing? You thought you were doing your own thing, but really you were doing the thing that was sinful and you're stuck there, disobedient to God. You're either disobedient to God or you're obedient to God. What does disobedience to God lead to? It leads to death. I I thought it was interesting as I was reading this, um, uh, it one writer said it's more than physical death, more than physical death. I, think that, I thought that was funny for me to read because as I think of physical death, if I say to you, someone physically died, you go, oh man, that's the worst. But it's not the worst. The worst is when you've died spiritually, eternally. Your physical life, that's bad too. It's not as bad as like, you, you, but, but it's both here. This death that comes from disobedience to God is both. And, and the idea here is that all of life is gone. All of it is gone. What happens when you obey sin 
All of life comes to death for you. All all you have. You know, that's why it feels so ugly, right? Yeah, sin has a season. It has a, a fun moment. But then when it's done and over with, leaves a really bad aftertaste. Why? Because that aftertaste is a taste of death. Disobedience to God leads to death. Obedience to God leads to righteousness. And, and, and why, when he brings up that word righteousness, that should ring in your ears, those of you who have studied the book of Romans with us, right? He starts off that none are righteous. Everyone's a sinner. Everyone, both Jew and Greek, and those who are uh, from outside the city of Rome, those who grew up in the city of Rome, those who are from you know, the God's chosen people, those who are not from God's chosen people, all are unrighteous, all are sinners. As he says that, uh, now he says, our obedience to God leads to righteousness. Those who were dead in sin, those who were unrighteous, were depraved, Need to be righteous. This is how the the flow of the book of uh, Romans goes. Uh, You're not righteous. You need to be righteous. How can one be righteous when they're not? Justification. Brings about that word, justification. How can you be made right? Made right? Well, you can be made right by the gift of God and His Son, Jesus Christ. That's the way you can be justified. And now he, he says this. As we have been made righteous, justified, we now have a life that produces righteousness. Amazing, amazing. This comes from obedience to God for the believer. So we say choosing a master. What are you going to choose? Are you going to go back to sin? Hey, that's a great idea. God has saved me from sin so I can do it some more. And it can bring about more death to my life. Or I can choose to obey the one who loved me so much. I choose to obey him and righteousness that was unattainable before will now be produced in my life because of Jesus. Choose your master. Which brings us to verse 17. And I love the way Paul says this. This is a a classic way Paul, uh, in the midst of being inspired by God and, and writing this, you know, he... He says, but thanks be to God. But thanks be to God. He rejoices in thanksgiving. And I want to tell you that as you think about your life in Christ, your life in Christ, you should rejoice. You should rejoice. You should think about the songs that we sing and the life that you live and the the confidence that God gives you, even in the midst of heartache. Why? Because what he has given you. The freedom that you had, that, that you have now that you didn't have before. The confidence that you can have in his plan and his purpose. And even in the end, you can have confidence. And so Paul, as he's working this out, as he's writing this down, he says, but thanks be to God. Verse 17, are you looking at it? But thanks be to God that you were once slaves of sin. You were once he, he speaks of this, of the bad old days, bad old days. Uh, how many of you have gone to your um, class reunions? 
Some of you haven't gone because you didn't want to. Because you didn't want to see those people again. You didn't want to relive the good old days because they weren't that good. And you say, oh, you know, I don't want to look at the old pictures. I remember talking to uh, some, someone and I talked about a town in Northern California that I'd gone to and they just kind of, and I said, why do you do that? And he said, I just have some sinful memories that I, I lived in that town. And, and, and we, we have these markers. And, and I, I want to tell you that, that the old days prior to Christ, for everybody, they were the bad old days. They, they were the days that you'd rather forget. They were the days that you want to be put to dead, gone. But he places those next to thanksgiving to God. But thanks be to God because of the bad old days. What, what happens if the bad old days are the present days? You're stuck, right? You're stuck. Just more sin, more sin, more sin. He praises God. He thanks God because of what isn't true, because of what God has done. I am not stuck in sin. And I want to tell you, for those of you who are even raised in faith, you, you can project, you can project what life would have been out, would have been like without Jesus. You say, well, I don't have that testimony where, you know, I was at those drunken parties wearing the lampshade on my head, uh, wandering around with, getting up the next morning with hungover and regret. I, I don't have those days. I want to say, praise God, praise God. But thanks be to God. And you say, thank him for what? Thank him for saving you from being that person. Even if you haven't experienced it. Thanks be to God. Thanksgiving should flow if you have escaped the slavery that comes from sin. He says, but thanks be to God. Thanks be to God that you were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching with which you're committed. But thanks be to God. I, I, want, I want you to get this. Very important. He doesn't say, I'm so thankful I was so smart and chose Jesus. I, I, I'm so thankful that I sought after him. I, I'm so thankful. You did, by the way, in Paul's conversion, was he seeking after God? No, he was, he was blinded, right? He was stopped on the road. He was stopped on the road. He, he goes from uh, not thanking himself or thanking his own work, but thanking God for what he has done in him. And, and what, what does he say? He says, obedient from the heart. I think what he's highlighting there is that this wasn't some superficial, uh, I, you know, I understood the gospel and I said, oh, I'll choose that. I was in my lazy boy. I will choose this message here. It's that, that all of his being, all of his heart, it wasn't just an emotional thing, but it wasn't not an emotional thing either, right? It was his understanding of the gospel, and it caused his heart to follow, right? And what was this that he followed? It was the message. I, I, I want to tell you that there's, there's only one message of Scripture. There's only one gospel of the New Testament. And the apostles all shared that message. 
And it wasn't one of their messages. It was all of their messages, but it was really none of their messages. It was God's message. And if you've trusted in Christ, it's not the message of Kevin Bosler or Bear Valley Church or the, the other church that you've been a part of before. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ, not one that you have made up, not one that I have made up, but the only message that saves. And so he praised him and he says, you've been obedient from the heart to this message, to this message. The one gospel, the standard of teaching. And what did that one message do? Why is there this great thanksgiving? It, it just continues to get better. He, he says, but thanks be to God. You were once slaves of sin. He became obedient, uh, o- obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching with which you were committed. Verse 18, and having been set free from sin. Set free. Do you get that picture? Uh, can you imagine uh, being born a slave? Born a slave. And you, you grow up, and it, it just as soon as you're able to function, soon as you're able to be of any use to anybody, what do you get to do? Be a slave, just like your mom and dad. Just like your grandparents. And, and the, the family thing is, hey, hey, we're stuck here. We are stuck here. See, there's no way out. We can't. We've tried. We figured. Tried to figure it out, but we still have a master. That master is our sin. We can't get out of here. There's no way out. Paul bursts forth in praise, and he says, "But thanks be to God." Why? What is the result of embracing this message? Freedom from sin. Freedom from sin. Things that were my own sins. Things that were even generational sins. Freed from sin because of Jesus. Love it. Burst out in uh, thanksgiving. Set free slaves. Why? And, and he, he quickly goes from having, verse, uh, verse 18, he says, having been set free from sin, having become slaves of righteousness. I, I want you to see that so quickly. Like we once... If you're a believer here today, you once were a slave of sin and you've been set free. And, and when we think of freedom, we think of American type freedom. What is it to be an American? What is it to be part of the United States? We just celebrated it. Free to do or say anything I want, right? You know, it's funny. If you went to public school or you even Christian school, if you you know on the playground, what I don't know where kids get this. Like I don't know where kids get this. Uh, we used to say, you know, first or second grade, and somebody you're out on the playground and somebody tells you something to do, and you say, "It's a free country." I don't have to listen to you because it's a free country. I can say anything I want. Free speech, <laughs> you know, and if you fairly well developed in your uh, thinking, you say, I can be as stupid as I want to be because it's America. (laughs) I'm free. I I want you to get this and not put our national history in in this passage. When you've been set free from sin, what is your life now? What is it? 
What is, it's different. It's a choice now that you make. You choose to be a slave of Christ. You choose now to follow him. Your freedom is not free to go sin more. Do whatever you want. You're now free to serve him with your life. Most of us can imagine. So we, we've heard stories about this. You know, um, you win the lottery or you have a, a distant relative that you didn't know about that because if you knew they were wealthy and they passed away and they, they gave you and, and, uh, uh, wealth beyond compare. And, and most of you would think, well, if I now have wealth beyond compare, I can do whatever I want. And the first thing I'm going to do is quit my job so I don't have to work there anymore. And do it in a dramatic way, too, so, so I all would know, right? And then I can do whatever I want. And there is a sense where that is true. The riches that we have in Christ are beyond compare, and we are free to do. But what do we use that freedom for? What is this life that he's now given? Some of you have done this in retirement. You've said, I can do whatever I want now. And you have to ask the question, well, with this freedom, what do I now do with this life? What do I do with the days that I have between now and death? What do I, how do I live? What has God given me these days for? The freedom set free slaves are now asking the question, now what do I do with this life? And the obvious and and only answer is to serve Christ, to obey him. Indebted people. But but I want to go one step past it. It's not just indebted people. It's not just indebted people. It's people who worship, right? It's this idea that God has shown his goodness to us in such a magnificent way. That, that his kindness, it says in uh, chapter 2 of Romans, his kindness, it leads us to repentance, but it's compelling, right? God has been so good to me. It's, he's the only one worthy of worship of the days that I now have. Which brings us to verse 19, our present situation. Our present situation. Verse 19 says, um, I'm speaking in human terms because of your natural limitations. Sounds kind of rude, uh, the way he says that. But what he's saying is, he's not just saying you're dumb and I'm you know, talking to, down to you because you don't get it. But he's saying, I'm using something common, slavery, so that you might understand. And I think even today, though, we don't have slavery per se in this country, but we do have the idea of keeping poor people down. And the idea of compelling you to work because of money, right? And, and we can get that picture of being on the, the squirrel wheel, right? You got to keep running. Why? Because if I stop, I won't be able to make it anymore. And I want to tell you, that's a common fact of life. And Jesus, uh, he frees us from that. Paul writes in the inspiration of God, that slavery thing is slavery to sin. But now we work, now we live, um, in a different way, because his love, his kindness compels us. 
And he says again, and he, he, he reiterates again something he's been belaboring going over. For just as you once presented your members as slaves to impurity, remember that word members, tools, last week? Uh, for just as you once presented your members, you worshiped with the things that you had as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness. What a picture, right? Um, you, uh, there's a, young people use this phrase all the time and, you know, if you're still using it and you're not young, you need to stop. Um, but they say, oh, uh, you only live once. I'll try anything once. I'll try anything once. Uh, yeah, you know, I don't need a parachute. <laughs> I can jump out of a plane. I'll try it once. Yeah, you'll only try it once. Right? And this idea that I can live recklessly, tasting all the different ideas and thoughts and, and sin, I, I can do this. But what's funny about, he says the word impurity, and then he brings lawlessness. Impurity is maybe specific sins, and lawlessness is kind of this category and just this, this you know, air we breathe type thing. He says, what does that, that that's, that's what sin brought you, right? Impurities, lawlessness. What did it produce? What, what were the ripple effects of impurity and lawlessness? Read it. It's in your Bible. More lawlessness, right? A lot of times we think it's just one act. It's just one thing. It's just one night, it's just one drink, it's just one drug, or it's just one word that proceeds out of my mouth. It's it's not something I'm, I'm pattering my life after. He says, the old way of life, the way you used to live, you presented your members, you presented them as slaves to what? Impurity and lawlessness, sin, and it led to more lawlessness, sin. And he says, so now, this is the present situation for those of you who have trusted in Christ. The present situation is what? So now, present your members as slaves to righteousness leading to sanctification. What should, what should you today as God's people, what should your relationship to sin be today? What should you be doing with this new freedom that Christ has won for you? What should you be doing with this life? You should be presenting yourselves, taking the the body that God's given you, the time that God's given you, and present your members as slaves to righteousness. What is righteousness? That which God has for you that is right. It's the God. It's what he wants. And what does it say that righteousness as obeying and righteous, what does it say that that will produce in us? What's the next word? Sanctification. Okay? This is really cool. Some of you are saying, uh, I'm not very, like, a, I don't know theology very well. Well, we're doing it right now, right? Paul's slipping it to us one piece at a time, right? Righteousness, justification, right? We're getting there. Now, sanctification sanctification what is sanctification it's God is taking you step by step from who you were enslaved in sin and making you 
who he wants you to be. How does that happen? Through us taking uh, steps of righteousness to, uh, to committing ourselves to as a slave would to a master that we would do what God wants us to do. He will change us, bring us to the place. Uh, this word sanctification is a word that, that means make one holy, make one holy. It's the idea, it really connects to that word holy, but the idea is that sanctification is the process by making something holy. If you think of something holy, it was ready to worship. It was ready to be used in worship. It's perfect. And this is the process by which God is using to make us who he has saved us to be. Great stuff. I love it. I'm excited as we continue on in this passage. I want to give you some concluding truths to walk ourselves through. And as I said a couple of weeks ago, this is this is a clumsy thing. This is a clumsy thing. And when I say clumsy, um, I, I think most of us, uh, especially the older we get, if it's something new, we don't want to touch it because it's it, it's hard to do new things. It makes us feel awkward and clumsy and. Uh, we've been through junior high, middle school already, and we're not looking to go back, right? Um, but, but you really have to think these things through because God has saved you to be something different. Anyways, the first one is this. Walk yourselves through this in your mind to say this to yourself. I am a slave to sin or I am free in Christ. I'm a slave to sin I'm free in Christ. Everybody in this room is either one or the other right now. A slave to sin or free in Christ. Um, I want to stop here for a moment. Some of you, some of us, we look at sins that we have committed and are committing, sins that we're struggling with, and you say, I can't. I can't, I can't do anything but. I've got to keep on sinning. I I can't stop this. I want to tell you, if you can't stop this, ask the question, have you trusted in Christ? Have you believed the gospel? If you believe the gospel, I want to tell you, you are free to stop. You are free to stop. I, I don't say it's easy. It's going to be awkward. It's going to feel like walking again. But you are no longer enslaved in sin. You are free in Christ. So think about that right now. Just say, I am either a slave to sin or I am free in Christ. Secondly, and this is building upon this, if if I am free in Christ, I can do two things. I can serve sin again that I am free from or I will serve Christ. With this day, with the tools, the members of your body, the day that he's given, you can do one of two things with that. You can go back to sin. You can go back to the sins that he saved you from or you can serve Christ. It's as simple as that. And, and I know it sounds repulsive, doesn't it? That choice sounds repulsive, because it is. If it's repulsive to you, the idea of going back to your sin, what do you think it sounds like to our Lord? If you're free in Christ, 
You say to yourself, I can serve sin again that I am free from or I will serve Christ. And lastly, I'd say this. Jesus did not save you to be enslaved again, but he saved you to change you. Saved you to change you. I want to tell you that, you know, um, there is... There is a true, it is true to say that God loves you just the way you are, but he saved you to change you from what you are to what he wants you to be. Jesus saved you to change you. And it's better. It's a better version of you. Jesus saved you to change you. God, thank you for this morning, the blessing of your word. Help us to listen. Help us to not uh, place our own thoughts in this. Help us to trust in your gospel, not our gospel. Help us to understand what uh, you want the implications of the gospel to be in us. God, help us love your word and help us abandon sin. I pray for those who have not trusted in Christ yet, uh, are not free from their sin. I pray that today would be their day and that they would um, find the freedom that only comes from Jesus. God, thank you for your church. Glorify yourself as we serve you this week. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen.